Hello, and welcome to Firmly Grasp It, a podcast about sports and all it's being. I am your host, Evan Greenberg. For today's episode, it's just me and my main podcast guest, my co-host, the King of Jordan, Sammy Alshawabka. How are you? I'm doing well today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's, we're having a good time here. This is honestly probably might be my favorite episode we've done so far in terms of just what we're doing. Maybe the draft. The draft I also enjoyed. This or that I enjoyed. This one's also going to be a fun one. Just getting into it real quick. It's, I'm calling it the NFL Draft Favorite Player Fits. It's essentially who we feel on, because we obviously did so much looking into the players, especially the first few rounds, and just knowing their strengths, their weaknesses, and just seeing where they got drafted. And it's not we're not doing best like pick. So we don't really care about what, how the team made the pick as much. We're worried about what the play, what situation the players are going in, and where we feel like which players we feel like are in the best position to succeed because of the team they got drafted by. Well, there's going to be one clear one, so get ready. Yeah, we 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 didn't discuss any names. We probably have a couple overlaps. We have about twelve each. We're going to go through them pretty quickly because we assume you just listened to all our previous episodes on a lot of these guys, and you kind of understand their strengths and weaknesses. Or you watch the draft and you know there's kind of you heard it from the pros itself, their strengths and weaknesses. We don't want to get into that too much. We're just really going to get into the player, the team, and maybe a quick explanation about why it's a great fit. May I have the honors of the very first one? Yes, both of our first one. Do it up. With my very first favorite pick in the East draft. Joe Burrow, baby, out of LSU, Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow, baby. Yeah, I have him too. He's my first guy. I just went. I mine are in mine are in draft order. I should mention this isn't a ranked favorite. This is just guys I liked in basically draft order. So first one's Burrow. I'm not. I didn't rank them or anything. We're just gonna kind of go through. We. I think I have first guys from first second rounds one through four, and you have the same, correct? Uh yeah, mostly yeah. Yeah, we have some balance of first, second, third, and fourth round guys. So we're going to get a balance. It'll be pretty much guys that you we've talked about previously. There's, I don't think this could be – I mean, I don't have any names that we didn't talk about in our division player or division draft breakdown. No, for sure. We've mentioned all these names pretty okay. much almost every episode, barring Burrow. Okay. <laughs> some of them I don't have forever. I mean, Burrow we didn't really mention every episode. Burrow was only mentioned for the Bengals because – That's what I mean. Like, barring Burrow, time. most of these we've mentioned him on most pretty much every episode. Yeah, most of my guys I mentioned on several episodes. Not too, Some of them less so than others, but at least later on. But yeah, Joe Burrow, best player. We said he was the number one prospect. Bengals needed a quarterback. But why he's the – for me, he's the only quarterback I have on here. Is he your only quarterback as well? Uh, yeah. So the reason I think both of us can say, it's not that even – that. I mean, you think he's the best quarterback, but I don't think it has anything to do with that. It's that the Bengals have a decent offense already. The Bengals have Joe Mixon. They had A.J. Green. They had Tyler Boyd. They drafted another wide receiver, who I T. Higgins, who just missed my cut. He was right on. I thought about putting him on, and I decided since I already had another. I have two other receivers. I decided to leave him off. But they really, he's in a nice position. The off, we talked about it on our previous episode how our, the Bengals were both our number one winners of the offseason. And I think Burrow's just in a good chance to succeed right away compared to the other quarterbacks. And also, we mentioned in the previous previous episode with the um, uh, with our rankings that Burrow is going to bring a culture of winning, essentially, to Cincinnati. That level of competitiveness, that intensity, he's going to bring. He's going to be a huge culture change, and he's maybe in the best fit situation that you could probably have for a quarterback. First overall pick. Yeah, I for the most part, I'd essentially agree. And considering they weren't a team that lost the quarterback for like the entire year, because you have sometimes that fluky situation where the quarterback, you have a starting quarterback and then they get hurt and they're out the whole year and then your team tanks. And then if the quarterback comes back next year, you might not need one overall. One overall. But they're in a good situation where they had, Andy Dalton got hurt some, but it wasn't enough to, they were just, they needed a, whole change. Joe Burrow is going to bring that both as a schematic fit and as a player mentality cultural fit. Really just 
great for him. Joe Burrow's also, as you mentioned, we've mentioned Ohio native. He's back in his home state. I think that's great. Joe Burrow, baby. Okay, I'm gonna go with my number two first. I we the funny thing is that although Sammy's clearly our LSU guy out of the two of us, a lot of LSU players I felt like had great fits. And my next guy in this draft, skip it a little while. I thought later there were some good players. Obviously, loved like Isaiah Simmons going to the Cardinals. I think that's a great fit for the team for him. It's fine. Guys like C. Lamb, who were great picks, weren't necessarily... C. D. Lamb's going to be maybe the second or third receiver on the Cowboys. They already had two great receivers. So it was a great pick for the Cowboys, but it's not a great fit for him. The next guy, Kalevon Chason, the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was edge, outside linebacker or defensive end. Basically, just an edge rusher. That's my second guy. He pick was my overall. second guy, too. So. <laughs> oh, really? So we, I thought that was going to be the one we had different on. No, um, I, I guess, love I love Chason. I mean, from his LSU days, I loved Chason. He was, you could tell, he was one of the leaders of that defense. Even though they had so many studs on that defense that were drafted later on in this draft. But he was, for sure, like the main leader. Well, for me, I felt like it was more, for, he needed to be on the right team and be in the right situation. And although Jagu- the Jaguars have had a lot of issues in the past several years, they've had a lot of high draft picks. One thing they're typically good at, and something Doug Marone is good at, is developing defensive players. And you have him. On the other side, you have Josh Allen, who was a top 10 pick for them this past year. So one, you're kind of learning from a guy who's just gone through this process. Plus, you're not going to have that expectation of a number one edge rusher because Josh Allen is expected to take that second-year leap and be the guy. I think it's just a good situation for him where he doesn't have the pressure, but and he's not going to be consistently double-teamed as the first-year guy. I think those two guys together could be a really formidable duo for the future. And, yeah, just good fit for him. Jaguars, although they didn't have the greatest draft, I thought, and I don't even love Chase on, but it was a good pick, good pick and a good fit for him. I think this will give him a better situation than a lot of other teams to really succeed. Yeah, I'm a fan of Marone's defensive scheme and, how he's able to defend, how he's able to develop his players on the defensive side to just be just some star-studded player. Like over the last few years, many names who have been unfortunately traded away from the Jaguars, but their their talent was there that other teams were look were trading a lot of volume for to receive them. Yeah, Do you know that they were they worth it? They can't keep their guys, but they can develop them for sure. And then either they don't like Jacksonville or they just become too expensive. He could be the next guy in line for that. I I have no problem with him there. All right, you want to give me your number three? My number three is Tristan Wirth's tackle from Iowa, from Tampa Bay, in Tampa Bay. I thought about him. He was probably would have been my – he was in my consideration. But tell me why. Explain Tristan Wirth for me. So – before the draft, I had him as my for sure number one tackle going into the draft. I always thought that between him, Wills, Becton, Thomas, that he was his talent, his ability at Iowa was a clear cut above everyone else. And Tampa Bay, in the recent years, you know, you had Jameis Winston who had to scramble a lot and just sling it sometimes, but he had some decent pocket protection occasionally, even though they had, I believe last year, one of the worst offensive lines. But then you look at yeah. who they brought in, and they, they have Tom Brady. And I'm not trying to be a huge Tom Brady stand, but where Tom Brady goes typically, not that he's gone anywhere else than New England, he brings that culture that I tell you that I told you about of uh, there's a culture change and how to develop the right protection and they're going to be focusing on protecting him the most and what better way to start that protection and have that main gem than Tristan Wirfs. You sound like such a football guy. That's all I can think about while you're talking. Considering you've mentioned culture in base in two of your first three guys and sort of a chase on two. You're just that's such a football guy thing. Culture, <laughs> culture, culture. I mean, it's their work ethic, you know, they're clearly above the talent that they were, at least for me, I felt that Werfs was a level above everyone else, and the only thing you can really say is the development, and when he was in Iowa, 
Iowa typically known for having solid uh, linesmen for the most part. And he grew up in that, he grew up, he developed in that culture, I would say, that scheme, that any form of developmental. Yeah. So, like, I like Werfs. I think as a pick itself, it was a great pick. And we talked about that. I No, we, I don't think we've talked about that before. But I consider, I thought that was a great pick. As he was also my number one left tackle. Him falling to be the fourth left tackle was a great pick for them. The reason I don't have him here in best fits is because, one, the Buccaneers are not known to develop continually develop offensive linemen that successfully. Brady's also only there a year or two max. And Brady, a lot of the success of the offensive line for the Patriots, I would contribute to Dante Scarnecchia, and he's not their offensive line coach. I like it's great pick. It's just he's gonna have to do it himself. It's much. It's not as much of he was put in a nice situation. See, I think that they're gonna be making changes though. That they're going to be looking at. They're gonna try to find their own Scarnecchia essentially. And bring another offensive line guru, even though there might not be one out there to be said, or maybe they ha- one has to shine out right now. But just the fact and that they have Brady, they know one. they have I to know. emphasize the offensive line as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, that's why they took him with the first round pick and they traded off a pick to get him. And like I said, it's a good pick. I just didn't have it as a best. I think it's a good fit, not the best, not a best fit. Okay, my third guy, third LSU guy in a row. <laughs> also in the first round, he was the 24th overall pick. No, not 24th overall. He was the 22nd? 22nd. 22nd overall Justin pick. Justin Jefferson, I believe. It is Justin Jefferson. <laughs> wide receiver out of LSU going to the Minnesota Vikings. And we did talk about this. When did we talk about this? We definitely discussed this previously. We might have mentioned him. Oh, because when we were talking, when we were doing our division preview, we mentioned him as a guy that the Vikings could draft. And I think I said that I liked it in the fact that, I mean, simply, he's just, he fits the Kirk Cousins. He fits the team better than Stephon Diggs did, where Diggs was more of a downfield threat. Kirk Cousins is a downfield thrower. And the Vikings' offense isn't a downfield offensive scheme. It's a lot of zone runs and then passes over the middle where Jefferson thrives, Adam Thielen thrives. So you don't even expect him to be your number one guy. Adam Thielen's the number one guy. But they play essentially identical things, and I think they're the one team that having two guys that play very similarly is a huge benefit. I thought it was just – I think he's in a great position right now. He's clear number two guy, which is what I kind of considered him going into the draft, going into into the draft and into the league as a very strong number two, and he's in a situation where he's already a strong number two because they don't really have anyone that's going to compete with him either. So he has little competition, clearly a number two, but not a number one guy, and he's in a scheme that fits his talent very well. He can be a high-volume, middle-of-the-field guy, and I think it's going to work out really nicely. I think he he's a dark horse for offensive rookie in the year in the NFC. I agree with you completely. I love Jefferson Jefferson. I love every LSU player that went out in this first round in the whole draft. But not because not only am I biased, particularly as an LSU fan, but because they definitely fit in pretty much a wide variety of schemes. On the offensive side, between Jefferson and the Clyde edwards Elair, who was drafted later in the first round, like they're, they fit for their respective teams offensively, and Joe Burrow, for, as we mentioned, but quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on the defensive side, every defensive pick in the first round was, I would say, it was like a steal, honestly, for whoever took them. Do you have one of their defensive guys and other defensive guys in your favorites? Uh, might be my next one, actually. Who is it? Patrick Queen. <laughs> yep, me too. He's not my next guy, but he's on my list. Mostly because, so, I remember we mentioned that Kenneth Murray was our favorite linebacker going to the draft after Simmons, if you considered Simmons as a linebacker or not, but as a pure, pure linebacker, we considered Kenneth Murray as the best one going into the draft. Yep. And Patrick Queen being an obvious second, or even a close first, even. And 
when you look at the history of linebackers in Baltimore Ravens history, you can't feel excited for anyone that they draft in the first round. No, yeah, it, it, this was uh, just considering how good the Baltimore Raven was, and that effect, we're gonna have to hear from Cake talking about how good Patrick Queen is for the next several years. And I've also listened to Mallory Rubin of the Ringer just type him up several times already. The Ravens linebackers in the last like twenty years were Ray Lewis, who fell to them, and then in twenty fourteen C.J. Mosley fell to them. And I remember that ha- when that happened, we were like, oh no, like of course the Ravens are just. Gonna, as soon as Ray Lewis retires, I get another top linebacker just to seamlessly fit in. And then Mosley became too expensive, went to the Jets last year. This last year, they didn't really have a good bit of linebacker. And then Patrick Queen falls to them at 28. And the Ravens are just, they're killing it with their middle linebacker. Without even for, needing like, to trade up for it, too. Like, that no, was the they biggest surprise. They didn't, they didn't need to they trade just, up for it. It's just Ravens plus middle linebackers that followed them in the draft. It's just a, it's a formula for success that's worked for the past 20 years, and Patrick Queen's going to keep that going. That's all I have to say. Well, that's my last one in the first round. Okay, I got one more. You have the next one more. guy, my only non-LSU guy in the first round. <laughs> Cesar Ruiz, guard, out of Michigan, going to the New Orleans Saints. The Saints have a great offensive line. They have one of the best offensive structures in the league. They We talked about them as having the fewest needs in the entire draft, essentially, and just being probably the best top-to-bottom team. One of the spots that they needed was an interior offensive lineman. Ruiz can play center or guard. They probably they drafted Eric McCoy last year. They're probably going to keep him as center. You put Ruiz in that guard spot that they the, – because they re-signed Andres Pete. You put Ruiz at the other guard spot, and your offensive line is set. I think that was just – it's a seamless fit. With offensive linemen, it's mostly you have a lot of, for me at least, I had him and one of, and two other guys later on, where it's just either the scheme or it's just he was the one spot you needed left and you got it and he's going to fit nicely. Ruiz was our number one interior offensive lineman. Clearly, the league felt the same because he won the first round and no one else really even went close to that. I thought it was a great pick for them. And I think he's he'll start day one and he'll be successful day one. I we've mentioned Ruiz. We liked Ruiz. I guess you managed to convince me that yeah, that was probably a home run pick for where they drafted him. Good. I'm glad you agree. It, yeah, it just it made too much. The Saints hit. They hit. He was a need, and he's just the best player. And the Saints' offensive line is good enough that he's just going to seamlessly fit. They don't have. He's not going to have too much pressure to be a top tier offensive lineman. Kind of. He just needs to be good, and he will be good. I think he's just a good player. I would like to just shout out one honorary player in the first round. Not an LSU player, if, if that's what you think I'm think going for. But um, Jeff Gladney on the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I just the reason I didn't – I don't love it. I think they needed him, but their cornerback situation just isn't good. So now he's going to – is he going to be their number one cornerback this next year? I think he's going to be the number early. one, but I feel like Mike Zimmer, he – his – Secondary scheme is typically solid for the most part. I mean, one off year last year where a couple things didn't exactly go their way defensively, but overall, his scheme has been pretty solid in developing secondary players. I agree, and I guess that would be the argument for him. My argument against it is just that hes I don't think he's a top-tier cornerback, and I don't think he's a number-one guy at this point. He could be maybe down the line, but just throwing him into that day one might produce some ugly results. I can see him almost being similar to Xavier Rhodes, their former first-round pick, who they had a lot of pressure on him early, and he really just didn't step up to the plate. And I, I hope he's not the same. I hope they are able to really develop Gladney into a successful player. I'm just a little worried that you're throw, going to have to throw him into the fire day one. Yeah, no, that's why that's why I consider him as an honorary player, not exactly on my list of complete favorites. Yeah, my other probably honorary was Clyde Edwards player. He was a not he was a consideration. I didn't put him on because I have my next two guys are I don't know my next two guys are, are running backs. They were my two favorite running back feds. I didn't want to have three. Do you have do you have the top either two the two running backs as one of your guys? Or is it I do. Guys? I believe we might have the same one on one of them. I mean, they probably do. We had several discussions about these two guys. We argued whether they were which one of them was the better overall running back. 
And although neither of them went first, I think both Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin, who went to the Colts, and J.K. Dobbins of Ohio State went to the Ravens, both got put into great positions. Well, on the note of Jonathan Taylor, I would like to mention my next favorite pick in the first one in the second round Okay. of Michael Pittman Jr. to the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. How come? They, on a needs perspective, they needed another receiver. They only had T.Y. Hilton. And he's in a good situation where that offense is going to have Phillip Rivers slinging it down to him. He's a big receiver, fits the team's needs. And him working off of T.Y. Hilton, as well as having Rivers throwing him the ball, not many other receivers being drafted have that luxury of us already studded solid receiver, uh, not receiver, um, quarterback with an already veteran receiver on the team who many would still consider if when he's 100% healthy, like a top receiver in the league. The reason I don't have him is because maybe I, I just don't have as much in faith in Rivers at this point. And the fact that he's on a one-year deal, it's probably going to be very short-term and the next year you're kind of looking for somebody else. And I guess I didn't love Pittman going to this draft. And I thought it makes sense. It's a nice fit. I would have, if it was a different wide receiver, maybe like if Denzel Mims went here, I might've even considered him a little more, even though Denzel Mims fell to the Jets later on. I do have another wide receiver in my second round, but it's not him. But I want to get into my running back guys first, if that's yeah. right. So first one, Jonathan Taylor, we talked about, he's really, he can be a three down back. He's really mainly a two down back. He's just a great runner. Wisconsin gave him great running lanes and great offensive line. And the Colts, I feel like they've changed their identity because, like I said, Rivers, he's probably on his last legs. You have a couple of nice receivers, but they addressed the offensive line. They got Jonathan Taylor. They already had the best offensive line probably in the league. And you're putting that with Jonathan Taylor, who knows how to work with a great offensive line. is just a great runner. I think him and Dobbins, they might not be your day one starters because Marlon Mack and Mark Ingram are probably the day one or the starters at least coming into this year. But both of them are on essentially the last year of their deals, and I would expect that by year two, both of these guys are the sole workhorse backs for their respective teams. Taylor, I was thrilled when that pick happened. I texted Pat, who's a Colts fan, and I was like, you just got a great pick. Jonathan Taylor, welcome to the team. You're going to be so happy with him because he's just going to – if they're running the ball as much as I expect, I think they're going to use a lot of Jonathan Taylor, especially this year or especially next year. But this year, I think he'll get a lot of opportunities as well. And then J.K. Dobbins, the Ravens' running game is, was incredible last year. Lamar Jackson just can do everything. Mark and that Ingram. just opens up. Well, Mark Ingram's there. Like I said, he's there for now. He's a solid running back, but he's going to be gone next year. He's going to be competing with Gus Bus and Justice Hill, who was their third-round pick last year. Just, or Gus Bus went undrafted a couple years back. And I think, like I said, He's just going to have a lot of opportunity. That team runs the ball more than any other team in the league. And he's just also a guy who can do a little bit of everything. I thought both of those were just great fits. They felt Dobbins probably fell a little more than Taylor did. I thought both of them got put in great fits for not only this year where they don't have to necessarily be the star back, but they're going to get great opportunities, but they're in great schemes. And by next year, they're going to be clear cut number one guys. I had Taylor as my main running back. I was considering Dobbins, but yes, it's their history of running backs have been, developing running backs at least recently has been up or down. That kind of put me off, but he's in obviously a great position to excel compared to the other running backs in their past that they've tried to develop. Yeah, I wouldn't consider him in the same level as like Alex Collins and Buck Allen. Considering one, he's a better player. Two, they put more draft capital in, and three, the offensive scheme now is just so different than it was back then. Lamar Jackson just changes the entire thing. And I think Dobbins can fit with Lamar Jackson very nicely. He also has worked previously with guys, not quite as electric, obviously, Lamar Jackson, but guys who can kind of do the run and the pass game. They do. Ohio State had a lot of read options, and Baltimore does an insane amount of read options as well. Yeah, I had Taylor right. as, my, as one of my favorite fits, so... We've been, okay. we've been matching up here have, and there so far. <laughs> I figured we'd have some. I only have one more guy in the second round. How many more do you have? I'm, I believe, unless my math is wrong, this is the last pick of the second round. So, 
Okay, I'll go first. This one was kind of, I didn't think about it at first. I, when the draft happened, I didn't necessarily was like, wow, this is a great pick. But just looking at the team schematics and just kind of everything else, KJ Hamler, wide receiver from Penn State going to the Denver Broncos. I really oh, like yeah. that pick a lot because a couple of reasons. One, he was the second wide receiver they drafted in this draft. The first one was Jerry Judy, who they took in the first round. I love Jerry Judy. I've made that obvious. I think he's an incredible wide receiver. I didn't put him. I could have put him here. I just didn't. I don't know why I didn't really put him here because I think I kind of already like do I had a couple other wide receivers I liked, and I didn't really take the early guys. Either way, Hamler, huge electric speedy guy, and he's going to be your third wide receiver. He's not going to have that pressure like Henry Ruggs is going to of having to be your number one receiver. You have Judy there who's kind of a – he can beat you deep, but he's not a super fast guy, but he's an incredible route runner. And then you have Cortland Sutton who's kind of that bigger, stronger receiver more or more athletic. Not not the speed of KJ Hamler, but KJ Hamler is going to be your third wide receiver. Plus, you have Drew Locke, who loves to throw the ball deep, and I think Hamler is going to become early on one of his favorite targets. I think he, like I said, doesn't have the pressure. He's a number three guy, but you're putting him with a quarterback who loves to throw the ball deep, and just his skill set is different than the other two top receivers, I think it's going to be a nice fit. It's kind of what like the Bengals were hoping with John Ross at the time, and it didn't really pan out. I think it was I think it was a very nice fit for him. I think him and Judy are both now in nice situations, just they complement each other really nicely. Considering Hamler is almost a poor man's rugs for Judy, considering that Ruggs and Judy played together at Alabama. Which is a perfect compliment to each other. Yeah, I think perfect compliment. And then Cortland Sutton as that other wide receiver. I think the three of them are just such a nice one, two, three to have for the future. And Drew Locke, your second year quarterback, he's hopefully takes a step forward. I mean, if he's not good, then it doesn't matter. But I think John Elway and the Denver Broncos made it a priority to give Drew Locke as many weapons as he could to succeed. And I think both of them, both Judy and Hamler are great fits. I think Hamler, just considering his value too, and him having less pressure than Judy as a second rounder, that's why I put him as one of my favorite fits. Well, mine is a little different from the second round. This is my last one from the second round. I don't know why I said math, because this guy was obviously in the middle of the second round, but drafted by the Buffalo Bills, A.J. Apensa, who I've raved about him many times, and over the years, Sean McDermott has developed some stud defensive players, especially on the rush edge rush position, and his style of play, his system, and I think Apensa probably could have been in the one of the best spots to be drafted in. It was surprising to see him fall that far, honestly, because we both agreed that he was most likely a day one guy. Yeah, we thought he was a first-round pick. I had him as him and Chase on where I considered almost equal in terms of their draft prospects. So the fact that Chase got taken at 20 and Pensa fell all the way down to the Bills in the second round. Yep. 54 even, like... Yeah, he... I don't know. I don't understand why he fell so far. And I, we haven't heard anything that would explain it. It's just kind of a question mark to me. I, I great yeah. fit. This one's similar to, I guess, for me to worse in that it's a great pick and it fits in nicely. It's just, I guess it's not, it's a good one. It's just not my favorite. Yeah. I, I have faith in McDermott use, utilizing him to his max potential. Yeah, that's fair. And I, he'll be in a good situation. I think, like you said, the Bills, their defense is very good. And I think he'll fit in nicely. I just don't think he'll be necessarily known as like a huge stats guy. He could be in the former or the Buffalo Bills. I think he's a former Jerry Hughes in that he's going to be a very, he might be an underrated player for a decade of his career. And although he'll put up maybe have maybe most 12 sacks in the season, he'll just be consistently productive. I just, it's just, you're not going to get those big numbers probably out of him in Buffalo, which is why I didn't include, I guess that's probably why I didn't have him there. I think McDermott will make sure he's a good player. He will be a good player. I'm pretty confident about that. It's just, in terms of best fit, I guess I just didn't have it. Okay, yeah. well, next yeah. one. So, I don't have any third rounders. I have a few fourth rounders. So I want you to kind of go through your third round guys first. Um, one of my third round guys is Jordan Elliott, tackle, 
or Missouri to the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did I like him as a tackle in the first place and surprised that he fell way, way this far down, I had him as maybe like one of the maybe third best defensive linemen behind like Derek Brown and Kinlaw. Yeah, he was my third or fourth. It was yeah, I would agree. I would have probably had him as a maybe an early second round value. And I I know with the constant head coaching changes in Cleveland might deter him just a little bit in if he would be a favorite fit or not. But when you look at over the years, where their struggles have been in terms of developing players has been for the most part on the offensive side. They've been having some really solid picks throughout the years on the defensive side with starting out with Miles Garrett, obviously. And I think that with defensive line, that not only was he a need for them, but also just fits right. I I don't know. When I saw this pick and I when I saw Jordan Elliott's name come up and the Cleveland Browns selected him, it just made sense in my mind, not only as a need, but like it, it works. Like I think he's gonna have a long career if he chooses to stay in Cleveland, of course, which is not a guarantee. But I feel I mean, like it's a perfect I I, fit for him there. I think I I guess I agree in the most part. Good value. They needed kind of that D tackle. They have good players on their D end, so he'll fit in nicely. I don't know. There's just something. I can't really like explain it. I guess there's just something about Jordan. I don't almost like see him on that team in a weird sense. I don't know if that that does probably doesn't make any sense to you or the people listening. I mean, he's not like a it. freak athlete like Brown and Kinlaw are that we that I just mentioned. He's not like athletically like gifted as those two. No, and I don't didn't expect it. Like I said, I had him as my third or fourth D tackle. Just something with him in the Cleveland Browns and the way he fell to the third round. Something worries me a little bit that it's not going to go as well as we would expect. I don't know. It's just it's just a, honestly that's more of a gut feeling than anything else because I like you said good value. I do agree. And need made sense. The fit, the fit makes sense. There's just something about it that I'm a little worried about. Also, probably because it's Cleveland and. <laughs> but I mean, I love to. Yeah, I guess so. It could be. But I like plenty of players that the Browns have drafted on defensive end in the several past years. I like Agba, Miles Garrett. I don't really count. There's been there's been guys. It's not it's not that I just discredit every single Browns draft pick. There's just something about Elliot and the Browns that just, I don't know, doesn't vibe with me. That vibe check failed. Well, see, that's funny because my only analysis for him is vibe check pass. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we're feeling different vibes here. (laughs) All right, you have uh, other third-round guy? That was my only third-round guy. Okay, then let's move on to the fourth round. I have four guys here. I really... I went pretty hard. I like there was a lot of guys I liked in the fourth round. Most of them were guys that we had third round grades on. So my first one, Troy Pride Jr., cornerback out of Notre Dame, going to the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Carolina has done a pretty good job throughout the years of developing cornerbacks. I like Pride. I thought he fell. He could have been a second or third round at the latest guy, and he fell to them in the fourth round. And they have James Bradbury, who was a late pick who they developed into a number one cornerback. So Pride is either going to start as your number two, or you're going to even put him in the slot where I think he could be playing successful there. The Panthers have typically just done a good job, although it might be a little different now that they have Matt Rule and not Ron Rivera as their coach. That might be the only thing that twists into it. But I think he can be a guy who starts in the slot at least day one. And you're not going to have the pressure with Bradbury there. He's a solid number two cornerback. I thought, like I said, I think he fell a lot. And you're in a team that in the last decade has done a nice job of developing cornerbacks. Josh Norman before Bradbury was the biggest example. And there's someone else that I can't think of off the top of my head. I think they had another solid cornerback who wasn't spectacular, but developed pretty nicely. I think this is just a good spot for him in the fourth round. I, I like it a lot. I think he, I wouldn't be surprised if we're here in his, if, when the Panthers are good in the next year or two, I wouldn't be surprised if we're hearing his name a lot. Yeah, I mean, he shined off in college, too. So we, we've mentioned him many times. And honestly, how he fell down past the third round was probably questionable in our analysis of him. But it's a good fit for him, yeah, too, in like, Carolina. Yeah. All right, who's your next guy? 
fourth or your first fourth round guy? I had Anthony McFarland out of the running back for Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know how I, you felt. I, okay. I um I didn't I think I just soured on the Steelers draft in general. I thought they had other needs that they should have addressed, but I do like McFarland on this pick. I guess I don't love McFarland too much either. I probably would have had I think grade wise it was proper. I didn't have him as a top three round grade. Well but yeah, tell I me feel why like tell me he why he's a favorite fit for you. He was definitely like a fourth, maybe fifth round type of running back, but with the Steelers. Yeah, I don't want to poo-poo your pick. I want you to tell me why he's your favorite fit. So from what I saw of him in college, because I have a friend who's a major Maryland fan, so I saw many of his highlights last season. Um, he had maybe one of the best running rushing careers in, not that it might mean much, sorry, Maryland, but in Maryland history. But he showed very explosive flashes when he was healthy, and he was just very dynamic on that offense. And when he would be injured, the whole team crumbled. Like, he was that offense. But why he fits for the Steelers is, when you look at Mike Tomlin, look at the last few running backs that he's drafted in between Le'Veon Bell and James Conner. And Ben Snell. And, yeah. And... They have a good system in developing running backs that if you're a running back and you're drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're going to be happy regardless of what you're, what round you were drafted, what talent you were in. If you were a seventh rounder as a running back, you're going to be happy drafted by the Steelers when you see that long line of history that Tomlin has developed solid, good running backs. And McFarland yeah, himself, um, I might just be a personal bias for him because I saw too many of his highlights and I really wanted to. I think it's a good fit. I think any running back that the Steelers drafted, they're in a good situation. Whether it was a need exactly, whether we needed they needed a backup for James Conner when he went down with injury, maybe you could see, view that as a potential as one of their needs. But pretty much any running back the Steelers drafted in the fourth round that was available, I would have felt was a good fit. And McFarland definitely, from what I've seen, has shown signs that he can excel. As a backup um, running back to James Conner. Sure. The thing, though, is that you mentioned Bell and Conner. I think both of them were just much better running backs than McFarlane is. Bell was, I think, the number one running back taken in that draft. And then James Conner only really fell because he had his uh, battle with cancer that he was able to overcome and then become successful. He's just a great story. I loved James Conner his entire career at Pittsburgh. And he's also a hometown guy. It was just That was a great fit. I don't like McFarlane as much as two of them. Do you know he reminds me of kind of as a player fit? Oh. Or a player comp. Darren McFadden. He had a solid career. Nothing amazing, yeah, but he was serviceable. I mean, he was a disappointment just because he was a top first-round pick. But just the way he played in college where he was not – he was really a one-cut back, but he was so quick with his one-cuts, and he just had great breakaway speed. And he was really just – could be – at times, you would just be mesmerized by him. McFarland's nowhere near as good. It's just a kind of a similar player style. Pittsburgh Steelers running backs just don't really play in that style, which is kind of what worries me. Yes, it's a nice change of pace if you want to kind of go with that argument. It's just I don't they don't they've never really worked with a really speedy back since Willie Parker over a decade ago, and he kind of flamed out after two years. I think it's a fine pick. I don't I don't dislike it necessarily. I think it's a good fit for McFarland. Because you're not going to put him as a starter, but if Connor gets hurt, he could easily become the number one player on that running team. And just if you're able to become a starting running back your rookie year, it's a good fit for you. Just overall, I I guess I like it. It's not, you've conv- you've slid me a little bit to where like when you think, think about it, pick. if he's I not just, exactly a ma- he wasn't exactly a major need for the Steelers, but you know that as a running back, he will perform for them. Probably, at least to some capacity. I don't think his upside is necessarily there, like a lot of these other guys that we've talked about. That's yeah. just kind of my only... That'd be my only argument. I don't think his upside with them is as high as pretty much every other player that we've mentioned. Well, who, who are your next fourth-round picks? Okay, my next fourth-round pick, a guard, second guard, one that we talked about who I thought fell to the fourth round, Guard for the, now the Detroit Lions, former Kentucky guard, Logan Sternberg. Hmm. He was the That's second guard that they took. 
it was one a surprise how he fell. He was the second um he was the second guard that the Lions actually took in this draft. They took Jonah Jackson in the third round from Ohio State. And I thought Sternberg was a better guard than he was. But just I like that they got both of them. I like what they have at their tackle position and their center position. I believe guard was a major need that we had for them. Which is why I liked it a lot. I think he's gonna be a good player day one. He's also his main skill is his ability to be a run blocker. The Lions are gonna be heavy on their run game. They drafted DeAndre Swift in the second round. They have Carry on Johnson. Matt Stafford, they've always been a passing team, but I think especially Matt Patricia likes to have more of that balance. I think he's going to try to become an in-the-trenches, run-heavy team between Swift and Kerryon Johnson. And I think Logan Sternberg, I, I think he's a better fit for this team than Jonah Jackson even is. I think he could be a day-one starter at a guard, at right guard for you. And it's just, I think, I I've low-key have liked Detroit's offensive line and what they've been doing with it for the last couple of years. And I think attacking with two guards, I think, like I said, Sternberg's better of the two, especially for a run-heavy attack. It was just, it was a good pick for them. I like his fit. I think he'll be successful for this team. Yeah. I don't really have any arguments or devil advocates for him because it really is a good fit and a good situation for him. Cool. My next one, I think this one might have a little more controversy. It's not, not, it's not even like a super reach, but I could see why you could have an argue against it. And then is Bryson Hopkins, tight end out of Purdue, going to the L.A. Rams? Because when we talked about the Rams in my in our division preview, I mentioned how at the end of last year they transitioned to a two-tight end system where Sean McVay, they used to do a lot of 11 personnel, which is one tight end, one running back, and they moved into a lot of 21 personnel, which is two tight ends, one running back. And they like Tyler Higby a lot. I think they could use another guy to have as their second guy over there. And I think Hopkins is a very good receiving tight end. And I think they might even like him over Gerald Everett, who is their other tight end. Everett was their first guy originally. And then I think they started to kind of sour on him a little bit. And I think Hopkins can take that role. He won't have, considering they have Higby and Everett already, he won't have too much pressure as a day one tight end. But we've seen other situations where teams have three solid tight ends. And then one of them ends up getting moved out, and you end up being fine. So this is more probably of a developmental sense. But I think Hopkins can be a really good receiver out of Sean McVay's system. So the only thing I would want to say about that is really the value of the tight ends in the draft. They fell Yeah, he was, what, the seventh tight end? Oh, in general, for the most part. I mean, we didn't have them higher, though. I think think we didn't have anyone until... We might have had Cole Kmet in the third round. I don't. Tight ends were just not as good this year, but he fell relatively. He was my number four, I believe, tight end, and he I think ended up being like the sixth or seventh tight end. Which, two, then, as we mentioned in our we mentioned in our losers, the Patriots took two, and neither one. I had both of them lower than Hopkins. It's just, I guess, for me, is when I saw tight ends. When I, at the time, maybe I would have thought that 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 would have been a fine pick. When I looked at what was available after, I'm not even talking about Thaddeus Moss because I understand he has huge negatives that teams would be looking at. But Hunter Bryant, how he yeah, was he still further. available, I didn't understand that. I agree, but I like. I I guess I didn't look. I think I think he's fine here. Like I said, I have Hopkins as my number four. And he so there's there's value in that and the fact that he was a later fourth round pick. It's not obviously yeah not could have maybe could have done better with Harrison Bryant who we both liked a lot beforehand as well. I just yeah I don't know. He Harry Bryant would have been my number three. I think Hopkins works a little bit better for the Rams though even even if I think he's if he's not necessarily the better player. I think the fit is a little bit better. Can only hope and see, I guess. Yeah, tight end. It was a we- it was a weird tight end class this year. It was just not very strong, and then some interesting picks. I almost one of my honorable mentions probably for the third round would have been Adam Troutman going to the Saints. I think that was just a great. He fell, great pick. It was more of a steal for the Saints than it was for him. That's kind of why I didn't end up picking him. But I think it was a great pick, great steal. Do you have you have any you have another guy left? I have one fourth rounder left. 
Offensive okay, uh, lineman Tyler Beatis, Wisconsin. That's my last guy too. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I mean, what more needs to be really said? Like he's like the Cowboys have known to have one of the best offensive lines year in year out. So something's obviously working there. <laughs> yeah, and, and the one position yeah. they needed was center because Travis Frederick retired this past year. Yeah, that exactly. was probably their biggest need for me when my dad was on the podcast as a Cowboys fan and we talked about getting an offensive lineman. We thought they might have taken – we thought about Lloyd Cushenberry in the second round, I believe it was, and he got taken the pick after them. Or that might have been the third round. I think it was the third round, right, that Cushenberry went? Uh, yes. Yeah, I believe Cushenberry was the pick. It was the pick. The Cowboys had their third round pick. Yeah, and then Cushenberry went to the Broncos to pick after that. But I thought Baidez is one of the better centers in this class. I think all Wisconsin centers are good. It's sort of biased, but also just sort of facts. Uh, I mean, I'm not a Wisconsin fan, and I'm completely agreeing with you on that. I'm I'm not as big of a Wisconsin guy as you are. I like them, but I'm not big on them like you. But similar to Iowa, where they just produce great offensive linemen, especially and for Wisconsin, more at center, uh, Iowa's more on their tackle spot. And I think Baidez is one of the best. He probably was my number. If Cushenberry's considered a guard, and I guess if Ruiz is considered a guard too, he would have been my number two center. And I think it was just a good, good pick there. He's the only spot you need left. It was the most pressing need. I thought he fell. Not a huge fall. I would probably had him late third, early fourth would have been my spot for by that. So it's not like they stole him like two rounds late, but it's just a great fit. Really, any center that the Cowboys took for the most part, I probably would have put here. Baidez just happened to be the one. And I think I think he's also just going to be a great fit for them. He's a smart guy. And I think that's what you need for that team in the middle line because you have so many talented other guys on the offensive line that you're not worried about him just manhandling. It's more about him leading the offensive line, which I think he's certainly capable of. Do you have any fifth-round guys? I don't. I stopped after the fourth because there were a couple guys that we talked about that fell to the fifth. There were no fits that I was like, wow, this is great. And for the most part, just a fifth-round guy, you're not expecting him to start. I thought about putting Jacob Eason just to mess with you. Or Jake Fromm. <laughs> Sorry. I thought about putting Fromm just to bother you. I couldn't. I just didn't think that having any of the guys fifth round or later. The, that's the reason we did the first three rounds because guys, pretty much day three guys, are much less certain. And like we said, all those fourth round guys we talked about usually as our as round three draft picks, which is why I felt comfortable mentioning them here. I didn't want to go into a sixth round long snapper from Louisiana Tech. Like I just, Louisiana I State, LSU. Hey, he's part of our fourteen draft players. Oh, I, w- I was just talking about it. I just made up a random team. I wasn't specifically, like, Blake Ferguson, sixth round, LSU, Miami Dolphins. Which, yeah, that's incredible. But that I wasn't even talking about him. But you did shout him out before the pod. <laughs> <laughs> so, I do I, want I to mention just one name. Unless you have someone else. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I do just want to mention name. one name in the fifth round. And that, this was my last guy. Go for it. Um, Alton Robinson, Syracuse, drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. He was the only guy that I probably considered. Mostly because when it comes to edge rushers and defensive ends and pretty much anything defense, I don't know if we're relying too much on the history of the Legion of Boom and what's left of them, but having like KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner or Cliff Averill in terms of, but Avery wasn't left. even really their guy. That's that, the only reason. That's why I probably didn't pick him because Seattle's managed to develop some great defensive guys, but not as much in the front four. That's kind of a spot where they have not really had too much success. They had Michael Bennett, they had Cliff Averill, but neither of them were really. At least Bennett was their guy. Averill was not their guy. They imported him. I just yeah, I think it's a good pick. It, he fell to them probably by. I would have probably had him as a fourth round grade. And he's, so it's a good pick. I didn't think it was a best. But he probably, out of the fifth-round guys, he, I would have considered him over just about anybody. And then Blake Ferguson, sixth round, as we mentioned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gotta love me some Blake. Also, undrafted free agent Thaddeus Moss. <laughs> yeah, he's the number one undrafted free agent. No, without a doubt. <laughs> we, 
we didn't talk about him ever because he he's certainly talented, but he had a major injury at the end of his LSU career. And not only the that, major injury, he was he's just slow. His speed is going to be really hard to make it long term wise in the NFL. Like there, all the other tight ahead of him were definitely much faster than him. Sure, I think he has potential to be fine if his injury clears out. I think he. I don't think he'll ever be a star tight end, but I think he could be on some teams for a few years. I don't think he'll be out of the league in two years. Good if hands, he, if he, solid if he blocking, not much more you really could ask for from your tight end. Just hope he can get to his assignment much quicker. And and who's his dad? Randy. Yeah, go Randy Moss. That's good genes to have, for sure. All right, I'm glad we did this. This was fun. This was just a quick one-kind-of-time thing. This is, you're going to be listening to this on Wednesday. We're recording this on Tuesday. This is post-draft. That's nothing, anything new. Thursday, Friday, you will be hearing our NFC winners and losers from teams. This is just kind of your midweek break from that. And then next week, next week, we're going to start a very long series where we're going to go team by team breakdown of the draft and give draft grades. So we gave obviously some snippets. We talked about team winners. We just talked about great fits. But we're gonna go pick team by team, pick by pick, and give you grades for each team. So don't worry, your team will be mentioned at some point. That'll be probably about a seven, eight week series that we'll go through. And then I don't know what by then we'll be by around June and then hopefully we'll have some sports to talk about. But for now, that'll probably be our course of action. We're going to mix other things in there. We have some other topics and ideas and some fun ideas and fun segments. But for now, that's going to be in terms of our sport analysis. That's what we're going to be going forward with. This was fun. Yeah. Thank you for coming on as always, Sammy. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Firmly Grasp It on whatever podcast platform you use. Download it, listen, tell your friends, rate five stars on Apple Podcasts. Hope you enjoyed this stuff. Hope you've been enjoying our draft stuff. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to just let us know. Maybe one of your favorite players fell or one of your teams got a guy who you thought was a great fit. Email us at graspit2020 at gmail.com. And maybe by the time you hear this, we may have a Twitter account. Yes. Maybe. Yes. What are you gonna? What are we adding? What's our Twitter at gonna be? Let's. We're. This is our. For those of you who are listening, you're getting the debut. You are getting our sneak peek that we are about to launch a Twitter. As long as it's not taken, grasp it, twenty twenty. Okay, so once you hear this episode, like I said, you'll be hearing this on Wednesday. Follow grasp it twenty twenty on Twitter. We will likely, for the most part, just be posting our episodes, maybe giving you any potential little snippets into kind of. Some hot. If we have any hot takes, we might just throw them in there. But it'll just give you an idea. You'll know when we're posting our episodes, and just kind of be able to follow along with us. It'll be a, also a better way, probably, than email to interact. So follow Grassbit twenty twenty. Email us at Grassbit twenty twenty gmail dot com. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. <laughs>